Well, hey, it's great to see everybody here at Northside this weekend. Great to be able to be here with all of you. Uh, Nathan has a little break in the action in the conference. He and Ruthie got to go and be a part of, so uh, it's going to be a fun weekend. Hadn't it been an awesome time of worship already this weekend and a lot to celebrate on the baptism. That, that uh, never gets old for me. And while we're thinking of it, if you wouldn't mind, would you welcome those in, in the centrum, the video venue, and also those online into the room. We're really glad each one of you are here. Really thankful for that. If you've been with us in this Rooted series, it's been incredible uh, uh, every weekend as Nathan began that a few weeks ago, began talking about uh, God, making sure we have a great understanding on who he is, the word of God, Jesus, the spirit of God, uh, taking time to move into a, a week of prayer that we had uh, and then be able to talk about suffering that goes on within our life. And last weekend was great about the spiritual battle, the enemy that we really have, the devil himself. And uh, Nathan did a great job, I, I thought, of doing the, the locker room and the uh, 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 kind of scouting report and the, the uh, uh, game plan and th that strategy. Talked about and tied it in with the Super Bowl. How many glad Super Bowl's all done, okay? And, and ready to go on to a real sport of Hoosier hysteria and on in the basketball. Something about that, that's just always a, th a fun thing this time of year. Well, as we dive in on this weekend to understand that progression and how that's important, this weekend, as we uh, say we went through understanding God and prayer, understanding suffering, and then the spiritual battle that we're in, this weekend is about service, and that's the title of understanding how we can make the most of our life. Now, not how we can accumulate the most in our life, but how we can give the most in our life, and really for the kingdom of God make the most that God intends for us to do, and that involves being willing to serve. It involves you and I being willing to do what we've been called to do, and uh, this morning I want to just share five things that I think, I just call them the uh, kind of the if we, then we kind of a things. If we, then we. The Bible's very conditional. Jesus said, if you abide in me, then, then you will bear much fruit. If you believe in me, then you'll have eternal life. And that if we, then we focus on how we can begin to serve and make the most of our, our life and, and let God be honored in all of that. So the, the first thing as we dive in is simply this. If we understand God's purpose, then we can accept our calling. Would you say all that point with me? If we understand God's purpose, then we can accept our calling. We've always been about taking next steps, and this weekend will be no different. Uh, a lot of you have served in so many different ways, but for some of us, we may be looking for the next area of service to dive in on and see what God might want us to do. Or maybe for some, the very first thing. Uh, my wife, Sue Lynn, served in the area all through our years uh, in ministry. For 25 years, she served with four- and five-year-olds. 25 years four- and five-year-olds. Now, to me, that changes my whole view of purgatory, all right? There might be one. I don't know. Because I do a little bit better when you can throw a ball and talk and uh, run and do some stuff. But she loved that. And then one day she just said, you know what? I really love this, but I think God's prompting me to do something else. You may be right there right now where you say, I've been serving in this area, but I think I'm being prompted by God to do something else. Or you may be on the bench saying, I've been a little reluctant to do anything because I don't know. Well, once you begin to know God's purpose of, of us using our gift and doing the work that he's called us to do and bringing people closer to him, all of a sudden it'll begin 
to make more sense. Now, after the service is over, we'll really encourage you to hang in the lobby and talk in the lobby, and, and, and there'll be people out there that would love to explain a little bit more of all the different areas to serve. To guarantee that you hang out, or hang out a little bit, we got free popcorn in the lobby. So even if it might mean that you don't even have to go to a movie this week, you, if you have a little popcorn, you'll be all right. Here's a couple of verses that help us understand God's purpose. In Ephesians 2, it says that he created each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he's gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. That's from the message translation. In other words, God has saved us by his grace and through our faith. Never confuse those two things. But it is for good works. You and I have come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ for the purpose of helping other people come into an understanding of who he is. There was a study in church growth a few years ago done called Reveal, and it was done over a period of time. And this reveal study showed that years ago, let's say 40 years ago, uh, people in, in the life of the church, they were asked, what has kept you in the, in the church family that you're in, rather than from going to another one? And they said years ago, it was mostly the preaching. If they liked the preacher, and you didn't preach too long, and you didn't get too mad, and all this and that, and you felt, I'm there for the sermon, and the teaching was good, they would stay in the church for that. Years later, they found out, oh no, it's mostly about the music. And all of a sudden, worship became this, this divisive issue that says, well, I like it loud. No, I like it soft. No, I like it new. No, I like it old. And the next thing you know, people would take a preference of where they would be based on their worship experience. They would tolerate an okay sermon if there was good music. After that, they found out in the study that, oh, no, it, it's not about that. It, it's about the kids' program. We need somebody. We'll handle an okay sermon and an okay song service as long as somebody takes care of my kids for me. And if you have your kid's number pop up on the screen, that only means one thing. They miss you more than you miss them right now, okay? Okay. <laughs> There's something about understanding that our kids are taught and nurtured and loved and protected, and it is a great, wonderful moment for us to have right now to focus on God and know they're getting to focus in the same way. After that, the study revealed that, no, 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 that's not the only thing. Because later on, people realized, okay, preaching I can get online, uh, worship service I can download, uh, kids, I hope that works, but all of a sudden, people began in church history to realize I need friends. I don't want just a friendly church. I need friends at church. And this small group explosion began to happen because we're, we're drawn to people that we care about and, and care about us and we can grow together with. But when they ended the study about 10 years ago, they said it wasn't even that. They said as time went on, the thing that really mattered in helping people stay in the church where, where they were at was when they were given an opportunity to serve in a meaningful way. And all of a sudden they said, you know what? I think I'm doing what God's called me to do, what I'm gifted in doing, what appears to be needed, and I, I think I'm making a difference. And when you and I get a chance to make a difference in that level, all of a sudden it ties us in together. Now, we are called to do those good works that Paul told the Ephesian church. But listen to what he tells the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5. He said, realize what this is all about. This is God's purpose. All this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given this task to us of reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. 
For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we can be made right with God through Christ. Now that's a mouthful and a head full of good theology. But it's simply this, you and I are called to serve. And part of that serving, the purpose is so that people would go to heaven, so that people would come to faith. They would trust what Jesus did on an old rugged cross a long time ago. And we get to do that. Once we begin to understand that and realize what a gift, what a calling, and even though it may not feel like we're doing a whole lot, believe me, every little thing that the body of Christ might do allows us to together appeal to the world saying, come back to God. Now, if you don't know where you ought to fit, you, you need to kind of examine that. And they say basically the way to do that is examine yourself. Where are my gifts? Where's my interest? Where's my passion? Where kind of is the need that is around me here? And then dive in and experience serving on, on whatever level that might be. And then afterwards, evaluate, get a little feedback and say, you know what? I, I'm not sure I want to ever do that again in my life, you know? Or to say, you know what? I didn't think I would want to do a mission trip, but when I got over there, all of a sudden my perspective changed. All of a sudden God brought up something in me. Uh, I may not want to do it all the time, but boy, I'd love to go back next year and, and, and help out and do something. Or, and where can I plug in in the life of the church right now? See, if we understand what God's up to, drawing people to himself, then all of a sudden we can say, okay, I guess this is what I can do to help. Now, the second thing is if we recognize Jesus's humility, if we recognize how humble he is and was, then we can leave our comfort zone just as he did. We realize he had skin in the game. He was willing to leave heaven just for us. And in Philippians, Paul says in chapter 2, this beautiful expression of what Jesus left just for me and you. He says, though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and died a criminal's death on a cross. He left heaven to come to earth. Then he left earth to go back to heaven, and one day he will bring a brand new heaven and a brand new earth back for those who trust him and those who love him. But he was willing to leave. He didn't hold on to his equality with God. Uh, one of my favorite Christmas songs is uh, Leaving Heaven by Matthew West. I love it. It's based on this passage. And I thought, wait a second, I don't know if I should bring up a Christmas song. It's February. And then I think, hey, wait a second, my wife watches Christmas programs on Hallmark all year long, you know? <laughs> it's safe to be able to get away with one of those. I, I love that song because the message of Christmas never gets old. That's why it comes up over and over and over within our lives. But until we understand what Jesus left for you and me and understand how humble he was, and then we can begin to understand how loving he is. Because it doesn't really matter if we do all sorts of things. If we do that, if we go on this trip, go on that trip, and, and head up this and this ministry and, and have done all that, I mean, that, that's good. But the Apostle Paul says, if your heart isn't humble, if it's not born out of love, then it really doesn't do much at all. That's why I said in 1 Corinthians 13. Now most of us would know verses 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not self-seeking. Uh, it seeks not its own. Doesn't keep record of wrongs. It 
hopes all things, endures all things, never fails. But to back it up to verse 1, here's what Paul says your life is like and my life is like if it's not serving out of love. He said, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I'd only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. I want to do a little further study on that word nothing. Looked it up in the Greek it's the word Jack Squatos, okay? <laughs> Look it up. No, just kidding. Oh, thankful you guys got it. I struck out on that one all weekend long. <laughs> Allow the 1130 to come through, though. It, it doesn't do any good. Why? Because everybody's confused. If you're doing it not out of love, it's done out of your own selfish motivation for your kingdom, not God's. And it becomes academic, and it becomes just a simple human effort. And it might be a nice gesture, but God is saying, in my economy, your heart has to be right. And as we serve, if we want our heart to be right, always look to Jesus and notice his humility. He had no personal agenda except you. And the same thing for us when we go through our life, we have to make sure that we have no personal agenda trying to, to do something that doesn't necessarily need to be done. Now, through our years in ministry for Sue and my wife and I and our family, uh, we've, uh, we were, I met her up in Scottsburg uh, uh, back in the late 70s, and we, we were there in ministry about seven years, went to Danville, Illinois for about five years, a great time, and, and then we, uh, I began to preach. I'd been in youth and student ministry all that time in the south end of Louisville, and we love those people down in the south end, but I found myself having a different motive that wasn't necessarily the most productive thing, if I can be honest with you. And it always takes us a while to be honest, doesn't it? Yeah. It takes us a while to get to the last 10% of honesty in our life. Let me be honest about that. And through the years, I began to realize that it was a bit of a struggle at times because I tried to turn them into the church I just left. That never works. <laughs> I'm glad I learned that at 33. Because in coming here when I was 44, I began to realize God North side is who you have created them to be, and I'm here not to tear anything up or change anything or, or do all of this. Oh yeah, we're going to perhaps go in a little bit different direction, but it will be because we love you and focus on you, and we don't take ourselves very serious, but we take you very seriously. And I, I found out that has to, be, has to be a main thing, even when we're reaching out to somebody else to not try to change them or make them a little bit different, but to let God do the changing within their own heart. Let him bring the growth that he wants. Now, the third thing is if we see the big picture, if we see all the things that God wants, then we can swing for the fence. I love to swing for the fence. I love to see, God, what do you want to have happen? And here I am. I got this one at bat at times. I'm going to wait for a good opportunity, and then I'll, I'll swing as hard as I can. Now, in all honesty, sometimes us ministers, we, try, we swing for the fence a little too much. We try to hit it out of the park, and we would be better off with some of our sermons, and particularly some of mine, if I could just get hit by a pitch and get on first base, okay? <laughs> and not try to do anything very big and heroic, but, and then bring in a pinch runner for me. Trust me, I need a pinch runner, all right, to get to second and all the way around home. 
But do you understand where the fence is? Do you understand that God is saying, I have some big plans. And if you want to be part of that and dive in as my people, we're going to be able to accomplish a lot together, he says. But you need to make a differentiation between the fence and the floor. It's the difference between the sand lot and the car lot. The fence is a home run out there. The floor is something totally different. This last weekend, I, I, pardon me, last week I did a, a funeral for a, a good friend, a fellow who's been in the church as long as I've been here, uh, car lot owner, uh, Donnie Warden, uh, car lot right next to New Albany High School. And, and uh, Donnie, uh, bless his heart, uh, I, I learned a lot from him through the years. Uh, I learned what the floor is. I remember going to the auction one time with him, and one of the gals there was telling him, Donnie, I know you're interested in that one car over there. And he, he leaned over and said, what's the floor on that one? And she said, oh, about 4800 And I said, Donnie, what's the floor? He says, it's the bottom dollar. He says, it's the least that person will take for whatever it is. And in the kingdom of God, we can either be concerned about the fence, what God wants to do, and how we can uh, uh, reach people for the kingdom, or we can be concerned with the floor, what we might feel might be convenient and work into our schedule, and and maybe, and we'll just see, that kind of a thing. Uh, We celebrated Donnie this week uh, at his memorial service. It was a a neat time. We would tease one another uh, over the last few years. I'd say, Donnie, you know what needs to be on your tombstone? needs to be on every car salesman's tombstone whenever that time comes. He said, what's that? I said, it's out of Revelation 21, like new. (laughs) I said, it just seems like fitting. I said, so if I go first, put like new on mine, or we'll see if we can do that for you. The things we learn on the sandlot of the fence, things we learn on the car lot about the floor, somehow have to come together in God's economy. Now, here's what God says. He says, you need to know that Matthew 28, where my son Jesus gives the great commission, that is the fence. And you need to swing for the fence, go into the whole world, and and reach and teach and baptize and disciple and and reach as many people and nurture and mature and develop as many people as you can. And I'm going to be with you no matter what. Jesus says, I'm going to the fence with you, so swing for the fence. Don't look for the floor. Genesis 12, before Abraham's name was changed, it says, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, relatives, fathers, family. Go to the land that I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and make you famous. You'll be a blessing to others. I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Would you say that last sentence with me? All the families on earth will be blessed through you. One more time. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Turn back, he said, well, he's talking about you too. God says, I'm going to bless the world, but I'm not going to write John 3.16 in the stars. I'm going to use you. He told Abraham, I want to bless all the people. That's the fence. God says, swing for the fence when you serve. I love what happened to Peter. And a lot of Bible scholars in Acts 11 will say it was all about an Italian fellow, the first Gentile coming to faith in the New Testament times, an Italian guy, Cornelius. and, and, uh, And a lot of people will say, oh no, that wasn't the conversion of Cornelius. It was the further conversion of Peter because Peter had terrible prejudice, as every Jewish person did, that all Gentiles are going to hell and we don't really care. 
And that was the feeling of the day, even within that community. They just saw God and left them out, and they're the chosen people, and they hope that those chosen people now accept Jesus as the Messiah. And that's the fence for them. But God says, I've got a, I've got a fence that's a lot bigger than you thought. It's a lot farther. It's a lot, a lot deeper. You're going to have to swing hard because we're going to reach this fence. Here's what I'm going to do. So God sent some people to uh, Cornelius, and they, they found him there praying, and, and he, they could tell he was a, he's a man of faith. Even though he, he wasn't Jewish, he didn't know who God was. He, he certainly picked up enough from, from what he saw about God and other people, and he was a devout man and a devout family of prayer. And they said, you're going to have a, you, know, you, you need to go talk to a guy named Peter. All of a sudden, God gives Peter a vision. He had to give it to him three times, and he sent down from heaven in this vision uh, uh, a sheet with unclean animals. So you got pigs, you got all sorts of other unclean animals in there. And it comes down to Peter, and Peter hears this voice from heaven that says, kill and eat. And Peter, in his, in his vision, responds back in his dream, and he says, uh, Lord, I, I've never eaten any unclean animal. I'm not going to start now. And then God says, and some of you might remember what, what was said, God said, Peter, what I call clean, don't you call unclean. He's saying, Peter, I'm, I'm showing you where the, the fence is at. And all of a sudden, Peter goes and he talks to them. God tells him to go do that to Cornelius. And all of a sudden, as he preaches, the Holy Spirit falls upon all of the household, and they have this incredible spiritual experience. And then all of a sudden, Peter, he, uh, he, he just he can't quite believe it. Here's, here's his recount of all that. It says, as I began to speak, Peter continued, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as he fell on us at the beginning. And I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting and receiving eternal life. I want you to know, when you serve God, you will see God. Say that with me. When you serve God, you will see God. All of a sudden, Peter was just doing what God had told him to do, doing the next thing he told him to do, doing the next thing he told him to do, and all of a sudden, he saw what God was up to, and he saw the fence is farther than I thought. He wants us to do more. The Gentiles are going to come to faith and God is cool with all of that. I don't know if you uh, remember, I didn't hear this saying until I moved to Indiana. But it's one of those uh, MR ducks. Anybody ever hear that one? Eh, MR ducks, okay. Uh, say it with me if you kind of might need to refresh your memory. MR ducks. MR not ducks. <laughs> OSMR. CM Wangs. LIB. MR ducks. Where is he going with this? <laughs> Work with me, all right? Peter had an L-I-B moment with the Gentiles. He, they're not going to make it to heaven. I don't want them in heaven. It, just us. God says, no, the fence is much farther than you thought, Peter. And you need to understand. And Gentiles are saved. Oh, no, they're not. OSMR. They've got the spirit. Well, I'll be. Them Gentiles are saved, you know. You did much better than the other services. Thank you on that. 
There's something about there's going to be an LIB moment for you and me. Well, I'll be. God's up to this, and I didn't see that at the time. And that's why Peter had to hear that vision and that dream three times. You got it, Peter? What I call clean, don't call unclean. Okay. Another vision. What I call clean, don't call... He had to hear it three times, and he had to see it to really believe it. God wants to stretch that fence for you and me and see that he wants to reach everybody, everybody in the time that we have. Now, the fourth if we is if we partner with the Holy Spirit, then we can shake the bridge together. Now, you, you may not think that makes sense unless you read the devotion. And in the devotion, it has a little story this week about an elephant and a mouse that walked across the bridge together, and it just about knocked out the bridge. It was a pretty big elephant and a little bitty mouse. And they get on the other side, and, and the mouse says, boy, we really shook that bridge, didn't we? As if he had anything to do with it. Kind of reminds me of an uh, NBA player years ago, Stacy King, played for the Bulls. And on his first night of a game playing in the NBA with the Bulls, uh, Michael Jordan had a phenomenal night that night. He actually scored a career-high 68 points, and they beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. And uh, Stacy got in the game, so he was thrilled, made a couple of insignificant free throws. And they, they talked with Michael after the game, and they talked with Stacy after the game. And they say, Michael, how about this? this is it incredible? And I, oh, yeah, I'm really thankful. Great teammates. And uh, uh, just, uh, just great, great win, great game. You know, he didn't say a whole lot. And they asked Stacy, Stacy, your first night, what an incredible night, the first night in the NBA. How are you going to remember this? He says, oh, that's simple. I will remember this night as long as I live. This was the night that Michael Jordan and I combined for 70 points. You, know? <laughs> you see, God says, you know, if, if you're going to partner with my spirit, you're going to combine for 70 points, but he's going to do the heavy lifting. And if you and I will commit ourselves to go over the bridge that God calls us to go over, you will shake the bridge. And you and I will think we had something to do with it. And we will, just a little bit. But only as much as we put our hand in his. John 14, or pardon me, John 15, 5. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will shake the bridge and produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. In John 14, verse 12, he says, I, I, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I'm going to, be, uh, I'm going to go to the Father. Jesus said, the Spirit is coming. And you may say, how can we do greater works than Jesus? Jesus chose to put a limitation on himself by coming to earth. But he says, if I go, I'm going to send my Spirit that will dwell in every heart and the Spirit of God in you will be able to do far more through Jesus, through the Spirit, that Jesus could ever have done just for you in that limited way. He's behind the whole thing. Don't get caught up in all, all, all the argument of that. Just know that God wants to shake the bridge that you're on and reach other people. I, I, I really believe God's shaking the bridge here at Northside. This year's been a neat year for, for me. In the transition from my role to a teaching pastor, able to be involved in a little more pastor care, uh, able to kind of help take care of my dad over in Illinois a little bit, uh, able to help some other churches here and there think through what's next, uh, and to be able to see our elders and, and, and Nathan and the leadership team, the staff, do such a tremendous job. The bridge is shaking. I hope you can feel the bridge shaking just a little bit with what God is doing. He's doing it in his time and through you. And I, I pray that, I, I look back and I, I remember the first year we were here in 99, 
Uh, we got here in March, and in June we did a little thing called River Praise down on the river. We were only running about 1,200 people uh, at the time, and I just said, could we just throw a party in June 1 and July 1 in August and, and just, just get everybody all together and see what happens? And the staff said, well, we've never been able to get more than three or 400 people here at a time. Even when we uh, rented out the, the 4-H fairgrounds and you know, everything, and uh, so you know, just kind of planned on that. So we kind of financially planned on that. And then we thought, well, let's invest in it a little bit. And we went out and we, we went down on the river, kind of when that uh, Michael Flatley river dance was going on. We called it River Praise. And, and it, was, oh, it was a great time. And, and we had barbecued ribs, we had uh, pulled pork, we had corn on the cob. It cost us six bucks a plate, but we thought we'd invest because there's not going to be many come. And, and it only, we only charged $2 a plate. <laughs> well, our congregation at the time, being of sound mind, all bought a ticket, okay? <laughs> And we had 1,200 people at that whole event. Now, you do the math, and I just blew 5K on my first event here, all right? <laughs> it, it was an incredible night. It was a whole lot of fun. It was great. And I come in thinking, oh, man, what have I done? I didn't know everybody was going to be able to come, and we saw the ticket sales go like that. And I got together with the elders and just said, guys, I'm so sorry. I didn't really think that through. And, of course, they're thinking, okay, here, this guy was at a church in Vegas. Here we go, you know. <laughs> I'm sure they, they were getting worried about that point, and I, I remember saying, uh, how about if we do this, guys? We'll, we'll change it. We won't feed them as much. It can cost maybe three bucks, and, and they laughed me out of the room, and they said, George, do you realize what happened? I said, yeah, I blew $5,000, and they said, no, 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 no. They said, if God blesses us and we grow, how long will we be able to have everybody all together? They said, that's the best party we've had in a long time. Let's drop 5,000 again next month. And I began to realize who I was around at that point. Godly, visionary, humble, unselfish, generous leaders who wanted to see God shake the bridge. I remember 10 years ago, we had an idea. We hadn't had a baptism weekend in a while, and we didn't announce it. I just walked over and, and kicked off my shoes, took off the microphone, and climbed into the water and we had an invitation. Nobody knew it was coming. Just, just the leadership of, of the church knew that was going to happen. And we were ready for that. And that weekend, without a big promo or anything, we had 119 people who were baptized into Christ in just a moment like that. And something happened. I began to feel the bridge shake and began to realize God's doing something here as long as we just keep following him and doing the best we can. Do you know how many of these uh, journals for the Rooted series we've sold? 2,300. We've never done anything like that. Let God shake the bridge in your heart and your life and in the life of this church. And once we're able to let him do that, then all of a sudden we'll find, we'll come to the last if we then we. If we embrace our gifts and the arenas that we're in, then we can seize our day. You might remember Robin Williams' movie in the 80s, Dead Poet Society. And he had in a private school group of guys, they just wanted to study poetry by uh, uh, older uh, poets who had, had died long ago. And they learned a lot of poetry together. And he was teaching them one. He took them to the trophy case there at this uh, uh, private school. And he saw all the old guys back, you know, in the old uniforms. Who, they're, they're gone and, and uh, died. And, and, and yet they, they won this trophy, won that trophy. And it zoomed in on him. He said, if you can 
Listen to their voice. They will tell you for their opportunity is gone, but you have this opportunity now to seize the day. And he used a Latin phrase. Some of you might remember it. Carpe diem. Seize the day. If we embrace God and the gifts that he's given us and used them and the arenas and the opportunities that we're in, people are going to come to faith. We need to seize the day as David seized his day. In Acts 13, now when David had served God's purposes in his own generation, he fell asleep, was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. See, David went from one to the other. If you know the story of David and Goliath, you know uh, they wanted him to use Saul's armor, but he's just a young guy. Saul is the one who should have gone out to battle against Goliath, but he didn't want to. David was the only one who said, are you going to put up with this? Are you going to let this guy call curses down uh, 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 on God and on his people? God's not going to tolerate that. I've seen God deliver me from the hand of a lion and a bear when I'm on a hillside with a bunch of sheep. He said, God's not going to tolerate that, so some of us, one of us has to go, and it might as well be me. And they tried to suit him up with Saul's armor, and it was all clunky and too big. He said, no, I got a slingshot, and I'm getting five stones because Goliath has four brothers, and I'm ready for all of them. See, you you don't have to put on Saul's armor. But you and I do have to use our slingshot. Whatever it is that you're called right now in your life to do. They say there are sectors and seasons or arenas and times that we we can serve in areas. I I look and I have a a great heart for the church. And uh, I just love the local church, always have. Uh, I, I love missions, but like our daughter Rachel Sheehan and many other missions that we support here, they have that sense of calling to be able to do that. And, and God may be prompting your heart to do and help out in some way. Your sector might be in family and might be in education. I love teachers. I appreciate so much teachers. Um, I, I tip my hat to you, whether you're homeschooling or whether you're Christian schooling or whether you're public schooling, I don't see how you do it with the patience it would require. I wouldn't come back after lunch, Okay. <laughs> Uh, what you do is incredible. My sister Kathy was a teacher for uh, quite a few years, and, and she just retired a couple years ago, kindergarten teacher. And I saw her shape the little hearts of kids and bring up God as often as she could till she'd get a little spank. No, you can't bring him up that much. Okay, turn your back. I'll bring him up again, you know? <laughs> you, you can make such a big difference in the heart and life. Whatever sector you're in, whatever arena you're in, it might be politics and government. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Do we ever need? Do we ever need people with a heart for God and a life of integrity in politics and government, media and art, business and entertainment, the medical field and health and environment, wherever God has put you, wherever your passion and your gift is? Peter says in 1 Peter 4, God's given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have a gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have a gift of helping others? Do it with all your strength and energy that God supplies. And everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. God wants some of you to be verbal and he wants some of you to be visible. And sometimes you'll play both sides. That's what he wants. So the thing I think we have to look at is our gift. Take a moment and look at your gift and realize 
You were made for this. God has empowered you. You have a great spirit of it and gift of encouragement. You're called to encourage, to lead, to lead, to serve, to serve. You're seasoned. This is the time for this in your life. And the location, this is the prayer, the place for you to follow and serve him with all your heart. Now, as we end today, I want to do something a little different, so hang on with me, okay? There's going to be a slide that will come up, and it has three questions that I think we need to think through. I remember back growing up in a small church, we would say when someone came to uh, accept the Lord or be baptized, we would uh, say, oh, they accepted the Lord, or they got saved, or they were baptized, or we sometimes nicknamed it and said, they went forward. They just came forward. I'm not asking anybody to come forward down front, but I am asking you to go forward from this day on. Taking a moment to say, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to serve? Now, as you look at this slide, as it appears, to understand as I kind of come on out to be with you, because that's really where all of us need to be. There's only a moment or two that somebody's up front talking. The rest of the time, we are shoulder to shoulder in the body of Christ. Amen? We're here together. And take a moment and look at these questions. And if you wouldn't mind just to to say them out loud, let's say the first one and think about it. Say it together. If not you, then who? If you're thinking God's, well, it's a big church. They got a lot of people. They don't need me. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The kingdom of God needs you because we're not looking for the floor. We're swinging for the fence. Let's read the second one together. If not now, then when? I mean, all of us will struggle with margin in our life. I do, you do. We're all probably more busy than we've ever been in our life. But now might be the time that God says, I want you to to begin, or I want you to think maybe over here where you can use your giftedness for his glory. And the last one, let's say it together. If not here, then where? If you don't think you're maybe in the the right opportunity or appropriate place to serve, then, then look to see, God, where is it that you could use me? So today, may it be said that we honestly looked at these questions, all of us, and we ask ourselves this, God, you want me, don't you? You want me now, don't you? You want me here, don't you? And may we decide today to follow him with a whole heart as I beat you to the lobby for the popcorn. God bless you. (laughs) Have a great weekend. Love you.